Mr. Larkin Rose. How's it going, my friend? Great. Very nice. I'm glad you're here. You know, we've been trying to uh, make this happen here, this uh, interview here, and thank God we finally have done it, and I'm glad you're here, my friend. It's an honor and pleasure to sit here and uh, chat up with you here about uh, everything, life in general, and the film, which is one of the main reasons why you're here, and uh, you've been uh, making, making waves for quite some time, Mr. Rose. And I am quite familiar with you, I actually. Trouble wearing. That's yeah. why I like you. And I was really surprised to get a hold of a, a listener that recommended you to be on this program. And I thought, wow, I haven't heard that name in quite some time. And I wasn't even aware that you were making uh, this uh, film, Jones Plantation. Yep, it's been a long, long road in the making. It actually started as a little animated thing I did on YouTube like 12 or 15 years ago just a brief little illustrated thing. And it was actually the director's idea when he saw that, Andrew Treglia, we had just met and he saw that and it was his idea. I was like, what about making this into an actual movie? I thought, why didn't I think of that? Right. So that, that was the beginning of that. Yeah, from my understanding, that that was sort of like an animated short film, like a 12-minute short film back in uh, 2012, I believe. Damn, how time rolls yeah, on by, right? right. Yeah, yeah, and so that yeah that was forever ago, and we like all people. That's one of a number of videos that I've made that a lot of people will say, well, that's that's the thing that started me questioning stuff, and cause you never can tell what what's going to sort of start somebody's brain rolling in an unusual direction. And I think the the movie version of Jones Plantation has a humongous potential to do that with a whole lot of people, way more so than the little animated thing from 2012 or whatever it was. Um, and so that's that's what I like most about the movie is it, it serves as an introduction. It's not supposed to be like a philosophical treatise on how the world should be, but more a backhanded slap in the face about how the world is and definitely shouldn't be. Right, and I watched the film and I enjoyed it personally. I'm curious to know if you had... We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. 
At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, some pushback, some criticism to the film. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm curious to know. It's funny because we haven't, you know, people can, can have their little opinions about, well, this could have been better and that could have been better. But as far as people actually complaining about it, the I haven't really seen any actual, like, substantive complaint. You know how you. somebody can just go, well, I didn't like it. Like, right. Okay, why? <laughs> so I have yet to hear anybody like have a rebuttal or, and it's like, what would the rebuttal even be? Like, it's a fictional story, right. kind of fictional. It's obviously supposed to be an allegory, but uh, I think like it's supposed to upset people's point of view if they always assumed what most people assumed about government and society and reality and all that. So I actually take it as a good thing when people get sort of riled up and upset and can't really voice why. Like, I can tell you why. Right. <laughs> and and Mr. Rose. For, it for, messes with what you've always thought. Right. And Mr. Rose, uh, just, for, just for those that are new to the film and have just barely heard about it right now, how would you describe it to someone that has no idea going in? Uh, it's <laughs> That's a tough one. Because it even changed over time. It isn't. I originally pictured it as sort of just a period piece drama that takes place in in slave days. Yeah. Um, but it turned into something a lot weirder, more modern feeling, even though the story still takes place then. And it's whatever you expect it to be. It's not quite that. <laughs> it's weirder than that. But the 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 underlying plot is that there's a, a slave owner in you know southern u.s back when that was legal and you were allowed to own people um and he's having trouble with his slaves and then along comes this consultant of sorts mr smith who tell him how to better manage his human livestock so they don't rise up and get uppity and, and troublesome and things like that and it so that's that's the overall plot but the movie turned into something that wasn't all wasn't at all just sort of a drama piece. Um, and that's thanks to Andrew Treglia, who directed it and made it something worlds better than what I was picturing and a yeah. lot weirder and a lot. Uh, I don't want to give any spoilers, but there's a number of things in the film that they're just sort of out of left field. You said the you know, the viewer suddenly gets hit by something it's like, what is going on? So I I think it's way better as it ended up than it would have been um, if it ended up the way I originally pictured it as just a period piece drama. And I'm sure by now there must have been like a ton of revisions uh, looking back from 2012 to, you know, when the movie was released last year. I'm sure you probably had alternative endings and different turns and twists, I imagine. Yeah. And we, uh, as soon as Andrew, um, told me the idea to make it into a movie i i i couldn't not start writing the screenplay i was like we could do this we yeah. could cover that we could include that my first draft of the screenplay i think would have been between three and four hours long oh shit okay he's like this is really cool and i'll make it like half that long 
Um, and it changed a whole lot along the way. The, the one thing I, I knew without any doubt after in Andrew, not very long, is that he understood the message and understood why it needed to, you know, what it really needed to say. Everything beyond that was sort of peripheral and, and sort of disposable. So a lot of things changed. Originally, there was going to be a narrator in the movie. Hmm. Um, there's a bunch of subplots that we didn't have time for. Um, and even while we were shooting, there were in our tiny little two and a half week shoot, the we were changing scenes like the night before, rewriting a scene. Cause like, this is too long. We need to cut that. We can't do this. We have to modify that. So it was changing up to and during the shooting of it. Um, and which as screenwriter was slightly <laughs> dramatic for me. Um, and that's why, like Andrew says, there's the reason they never let screenwriters on set because they don't like it when you're like going along and butchering <laughs> their script. Yeah, now, exactly. Everything he did to change it, he should have. Uh -huh. And the movie is better for it. But in the meantime, I decided I was going to write the novel version the novel, of it right, too, right. not to compete with it, but to put back in all the things that don't fit in the movie. I, yeah, it only fit so much in a movie without it being. I, I figured there. I, I definitely figured so there. Both, I definitely figured there was way more to it that you could actually get into that the the, the film here. Yeah, by by a lot. I mean, we could have made a mini series out of this if we had the time and the funding, which we didn't, but. But I, I really like the movie. Like, the movie is what the movie should be, and the novel is what the novel should be. And there's, there's just different things you can do in different mediums that – and I, there's no way in hell I could have directed it and had it come out anywhere near as good as it is. I'm not a director. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I, I love what Andrew brought to the, the story because it's, you know, it's my story, but it came out as something – not unrecognizable, but very different from what I would have done. And I'm, in retrospect, I'm thrilled about that, including a number of things that the first time he described it, I was like, what? Don't do that. What are you talking about? And now I now I love those aspects of the movie. Nice. That they just didn't fit my initial assumptions, but it's great. And do you think there will be a part two uh, down the line sometime? Well, I don't think there'll be a sequel to this. There's definitely a number of uh, projects that you know we both have in mind i mean i the number of ideas i have i i could live to be 200 and i'm never catching up to, <laughs> enough to do all of them um there there's a couple little you know ideas of what if we follow jimmy jack um the overseer after the fact because he might be sort of interesting by the way jimmy jack that is uh the director andrew treglia plays jimmy jack the overseer whose job it is to whip the human livestock so not a nice fellow to begin with, but he has he has his own journey through the story. Um, but there are so many ways to entertain people and in the process get them to think about things that they don't have to feel defensive and attacked. It's not like, here, sit down and I'm going to give you a three-hour lecture on political philosophy. It's, we're going to tell you a story. And you follow the story, and hopefully it's it's entertaining and exciting and all that. And if afterwards people are going, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> like that's what we're going for, and then people have to sort it out themselves. So yeah, there's I have a zillion different ideas of different things that are pretty much all designed to get people to start questioning things that they've never questioned before. Yeah, that's always a, a good. And, but I'm really dang proud of this. 
Right. And that's always a good concept to have in mind to get the audience to sort of react in such a way to that will get them to think a little bit, which is always um, kind of forward in today's landscape of big budget films out there, as you know, Mr. Rose. I don't have to tell you, but you obviously know that the, the, the typical Hollywood formula, the very cookie cutter nonsense that the major productions put out there and they just fund these movies with the same boring ass storyline that we've heard trillions of times already yet they uh, keep making them it's like hollywood already ran out of original ideas yeah even when people don't like them they don't want them anymore they're bored with them and it's it's just amazing to me like what we pulled off well mostly what andrew pulled off with the budget we had because this was funded by indiegogo like hollywood didn't have its tentacles in this obviously it never would have happened if they did correct um and our our whole budget was literally about the catering budget of like a big Hollywood movie. And it just it amazes me that Hollywood continues to throw like a couple hundred million dollars at a movie that's just boring, bland, badly written crap. And a lot of times it has really cool effects. Yeah, but the story. Yeah, it's sucks. terrible. And so it's it's sort of frustrating, but also funny that what we did with like the tiniest fraction of the budget and the time and the resources that Hollywood has, like I'm really dang proud of it. And I, I would happily put it up against a lot of hundred million dollar movies that I think are just empty noise. They're written, yeah, they're very, they're written very poorly. It seems like they don't really know how to close the show. A lot of these movies, they don't really know how to tell the, they could tell a good beginning, but t- once it finally reaches that conclusion, the destination point, you're like, what the hell did I just watch? What was all that? Yeah. It's it's amazing. <laughs> what what happened? I mean, there was so many good films. I hate to say this, but back in the 90s, there was, a, there was still a lot of great films out there written great. And now uh, today, uh, it's just yeah. um, something else. And I don't. This was my first screenplay. I don't think I'm an awesome screenplay writer. I'm pretty dang proud of how it turned out. A lot of it was changed from. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. My original script. So this is not bragging, but I could do better than a lot of the people who wrote the $100 million movies. No, I agree. And I think literally the average person in the Most likely, yeah. could do better than a lot of it. Your next and door it, neighbor it could do better. Me. Right. Like, there's i think they're just so narrow in like you have to be right on board with all of our goofy stupid collectivist beliefs right so that they rule out anybody with imagination or an ability to write and it's literally just lapdog propagandists for the you know the collectivist political agenda but they're just really bad at it like you, you still have billions of dollars can't you at least find somebody who believes in your stupid agenda who right. can like tell a story but I, i'm not sure what's not. going yeah i'm not sure what's going on with hollywood today but going back to what i initially started off by asking you here was in terms of the whole pushback and criticism one of the reasons why i said that 
And uh, again, I don't want you to get offended by what I'm about to say, but this is coming from someone who loves film. And I've been around a lot of average people. We all are average, basically. But, you know, someone going in blindly to this kind of movie, they would sort of already have this uh, already sort of like a they kind of already in a way they can assume what it's going to be already be like. And the reason why I'm saying that is some folks might even say this is like a woke movie by today's ideology. And if someone blindly went into this and they saw the first few minutes, they'd be like, well, I don't, you know, maybe I might tune out. This might not be for me. That's kind of the reason why I said that, because there's a lot of people that are just like normal people. They would see this for a few minutes and you know, their minds, some of them are a little dim, you know, they're not, they don't have wits about them. So they might not uh, pick up a lot of the things that are in the film, which I, you know, I, I love them. I thought the movie was quite complex, but for an average person, a simpleton of, of sorts, I hate to say that, but they might get the wrong message at first. If they, if they don't tune out already is what I'm trying to say. Is that fair? Yeah. And yeah. And one thing I, I, I agree. And one thing I like about it is there's a, there's a number of different layers of like some yeah. of it is a pretty obvious smack in the face. Right. I hear you. Like if you can't get that, we're making fun of like some people can't though. Yeah, Some people are a little dumb though. They, they won't get it. Yeah. And some people may be too dense to even get that. But I mean, those people may. may yeah, be that's true. <laughs> right. Anyway. But it's been interesting to me to to hear the normal people who don't think about these things, um, which, right, by the right. way, included most of the cast and crew while we were shooting. They didn't yeah. know who I was, knew nothing about me, nothing about volunteerism. They haven't read your books. They and <laughs> Andrew had just done the casting himself, mostly remotely, because we didn't have the time and the money to meet people in person and fly them around and stuff. The cast didn't meet each other until they got to the shoot to make the movie in two and a half weeks. And so the first sort of test audience to me was actually the the much of the cast and crew. Um, you know, Andrew, of course, was on board. The guy who plays Mr. Jones um, already, he has his own podcast called The Quash, and he's pro-freedom dude. Um, most of the other people, they didn't know about it. So noticing the things that they notice and the pieces they put together and the pieces that maybe they don't put together right away, maybe they will later, it's... It's fascinating to me because I think one of the biggest challenges that that pro freedom people in general have is communicating with people who've never thought about this stuff and it it can feel like talking to a brick wall because they're like how did you how have you never considered this and how do you not process this and why are your responses all irrational and so it's easy for us to expect too much because if you're and it's not even just true of of like political philosophy if you're into some subject a whole lot and you know a whole lot about it and you try to talk to some random person in the street about whatever it is yeah. and you find out that person doesn't know anything about it and has never thought about it it can be really frustrating like how do i where how much do i have to back up like yeah. am i starting at kindergarten here <laughs> talking to these people and so in the movie we tried to include everything from <laughs> kindergarten to college some things that I think pretty much everybody, unless they're just completely dense, would have to notice. I'm perfectly fine with people coming into this expecting it to be like another movie about slavery. How bad slavery is. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Does anybody not know that slavery is bad? I don't. I think everyone knows by now. I would hope so. <laughs> you would hope. 
And I'm perfectly okay with people thinking that it's going to be the usual thing of like white people are bad and black people are good. Yeah. And then if you watch, you know, halfway in, you have to realize it has nothing at all to do with race. In fact, doesn't even have anything to do with chattel slavery, actually, even though that's where the story takes place. And I, but pretty quickly, we get to the point that you realize something very different and weird is going on. Like for, for like one line, I wanted people to, and I can, I'll say this because it, it didn't really have much of a spoiler. Mr. Smith shows up and he asks Mr. Jones, like you, you view them as animals, right? You view your slaves as animals because they're not just animals. Mr. Jones is getting defensive for, for that line. That's the last point at which I wanted the, the audience to go, yeah, he's going to set this, you know, slave owner straight and, you know, tell him how bad he is. And then you immediately learn, no, he's not. He's just going to tell him how to do it better. Um, so I want it to mess up people's expectation. In the original animated version, uh, Smith wasn't a former slave. He wasn't black. But we, decert, we decided early on, in Andrew and I in our meetings about it, that that was important so people don't think this is black versus white. It has nothing to do with this. This is tyrannical psychos versus their victims. And that can be like black, white, green, purple on either side in either direction. And and then all the human nature involved with whether you're a sociopath or somebody who's benefiting from some evil arrangement and doesn't do anything about it, the people who just kind of go along and they don't know what's going on, to the people who sort of know that something's wrong but they don't dare to speak out, to that like one person who dares to say, I think this is really, really wrong and this shouldn't be happening. And so it's a study of humanity and largely the failings of humanity, and it has absolutely nothing to do with race. It's just in that setting, you know, that was the, that's where we told the, the allegory. So of course that's, you know, there's going to be the, the situation there, but I hope pretty quickly most people realize this isn't even about American history. It isn't about black and white. It isn't even about chattel slavery. It's about freedom versus enslavement, and that's it. Right. And uh, this is considered an independent film, uh, of course, obviously, for those that are not picking up yet on what we're talking about here. One of these kind of movies would never be backed by a major uh, sort of corporation, a big publication. As you know, they, they, want, they want more of a dumbed-down sort of film to feed to the masses, unfortunately. So that's one of the reasons why I, I like independent yeah. films and I like movies like yours that are a bit different and they don't go with the same Hollywood narrative. And a lot of these movies don't really break on through to this other side. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to hit the the wider um, demographic out there. The ones with the lights on and no one home, basically, those folks. Mm -hmm. For for that very reason. Because they're, you know, they're not all, they're not all there. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, there's some people that I'm not sure anything would get through to them. Right, yeah, there's um, a lot of those out there. But I think there are some things in, the, in this movie that are simple enough that if there's... Yeah. 
if yeah, there's anybody it. home, so <laughs> to speak, they're going to notice something, even if they don't notice it right away. Because I, I like the thing of, of when a movie or a story, like somebody can sit there and sort of enjoy the story yeah. and later go, hey, wait a minute. And so my favorite is if people notice the obvious things while watching the movie um, and then later they go, wait, was that thing about. And so they keep noticing things later on. And I know some people have, have already mentioned that they that that happened for them because there's a lot of layers to this, not oh, yeah. just like the top layer. I hope most people have enough awareness, awareness to notice the the obvious, you know, slap in the face points in it that are pretty dang clear that's right and of course but, we're talking about jones plantations uh jones plantation folks if you're interested that's the title go watch it if you haven't already and that leads me to ask you one other thing here and as you know as you know well by now the internet will always get their hands on the goods jones plantation is no different of course it was leaked all over online it was everywhere my friend yeah and i'm curious what are your thoughts and opinions on I guess you could say, on the support of online privacy, basically, or the subject of online privacy, rather. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in, in intellectual property um, in the form of, like, if somebody copies my book or something, you know, the zeros and ones online without paying me, they're like, I don't feel justified in punching them out or using government to punch them out. <laughs> right. That's just, that's what I believe. Yeah. It is a little bit frustrating that a bunch of pro-freedom people, they, they don't seem to understand that if projects like this don't get support from a certain number of people, they don't happen. Like, <laughs> exactly. We, this only happened because Indiegogo to begin with. Yeah. Um, but when people, like, there's a difference, and I've talked about this in public before, mm -hmm. there's a difference between, I wouldn't punch you out for copying it without my permission or viewing it without paying me. But you're still a little bit of a jerk. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> you, I, yeah. You do that all over the place. And that's, you know, you being a jerk, you know, that's a very technical term. It's like we're already up against, you know, Hollywood that just has billions and billions of dollars to spew their BS message. And the fact that it's this difficult to get support from, you know, a relatively small movement. I sort of hate that term. Yeah. Um to make things like this happen, which, you know, we made happen for a minuscule budget compared to what Hollywood always has. So it's like, uh, I love the fact that, 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 you know, people want to watch it. And like I've said a million times with my books, if the option for a person is you're either not going to pay for it and never going to read it, or you're going to find some pirated PDF and read it without paying for it, I'd rather you read it. But if people like this and they think the message should get out there, it gets out there better if the people who make it can actually not, you know, have a huge loss as a result of trying really hard to make it and maybe even make money trying to make it. Right. And so it's it's a little bit frustrating how often it, it feels like the the movement is sort of an anchor against the people trying to get the stuff out there to a bigger audience. I would be pissed off um, personally, but, by the way. What was that? I said I would pro I would probably be uh, pissed off uh, personally if I was in an independent film and people were pirating it, it you know, because it'd be a little bit different if it was, a, you know, like a Paramount, you know. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong. It, it was completely pro-freedom people who made it happen to begin with. A, a bunch of people generously, like they put their trust in us and said, 
like we don't know what the movie's going to be, but yeah. we know that you can see the original animated version, and we think it's a good idea. Here's some money. That's the only reason it happened at all is because right. a bunch of people did that. Um, so it's not like nobody supported it. Plenty of people did, but it, uh, but plenty of people like literally took pride in the fact that like, well, I don't believe in in, in intellectual property, so I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the people who made it aren't getting paid anything. Yeah. Like a little bit counterproductive there. Right. If you like like the message. And the irony is, you know, if it was Hollywood playing games to try to shut us up and, and punish us for doing it, that's one thing. But when it's supposedly pro freedom people who are kind of sabotaging our efforts, like, well, thank, with friends like these. Yeah, I know exactly. And one interesting thing I should mention here for those who don't know, lots of times the people that leak these films online are actually the ones that work in the industry. Those that worked on the movie almost even are possibly responsible for leaking that online. And of course, the people that get the actual film, the projection of the film, some of the people that work there, obviously they do what they got to do as well. So it's a big uh, cycle of different things going on behind the scenes for those who don't know. But yeah, that, that's that's got to be somewhat troubling the way the internet works now. And it, it's much more difficult now for someone who creates something, either audio or film, they got to worry about it being uh, leaked out. Um, even like the people at uh, Rockstar Video Games. I mean, the, the very popular GTA sort of thing. You know, you have that hacker out there. They're blackmailing people. And uh, it's a big mess right now. And it always has yeah. been going back to, you know, the earlier days of like Metallica and Napster. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you remember all that. Yep. Yeah, I'm old enough to remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's. Uh, yeah, it's sort of, and it's not like we didn't expect this or know it was going to happen. Of oh yeah, of course. You got to know going in that some, some little nerd's going to be doing this stuff back there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just sort of the more, like if people like the message and think it's important, the, like the amount of, and especially Andrew, the, the, the director, just about, not even exaggerating, just about killed himself on the shoot. Oh shit. As hard as he was working, getting no sleep, his immune system completely collapsed. Yeah. Um, and he's like, we have to get this done. He threw a bunch of his own money in to make sure it would get finished and stuff. And so it's even setting myself aside, because, you know, the, the amount I went through was less than he did by a lot. Um, but to watch him go through that much and then some supposedly pro-freedom people can't, like, cough up 10 bucks or now it's going to be like four on platforms. Right. Like, Really? <laughs> well, let, let's hope all the people that, that yeah, let's hope the people that actually pirated the film, they like the movie enough where they go and seek out other things that are related to the work and maybe actually buy something. That's the best you could hope yeah. for. Uh, you know, you got to keep your fingers crossed on that one. And I'm sure a lot of musicians out there probably feel the same. They're like, yeah, download our music, but then maybe buy something later down the road. That's, I guess that's wishful thinking though. Yeah. Well, if you like it and find value in it, and I'm one of those weird people that that sort of keeps that in mind. Like I use uh, for music production, I use a program called Reaper and you can use it for free forever. Right. They ask that you pay for it if you use a certain amount. I've bought it three different times because it's so stinking brilliant and I'm so glad it exists. And I can't imagine the, the level of understanding it took to make that program. Oh, so yeah. I'm actually appreciative of it instead of just, oh, I can get it for free. Never mind what anybody else put into it, or yeah. Just, so, but a lot of people just they don't seem to care. They don't get. Yeah, they don't, they don't give a damn. It. Yeah, they don't care. But by the way, um, Mr. Rose, why are you using Reaper? By the way, um, 
well it's it's for uh music production i've been a musician forever ah there we go um, what do you what do you have do you play it, guitar bass sing what do you do uh mostly keyboards i oh, pretend sure, to make, okay. play guitar somewhat badly um <laughs> and then amanda can actually sing ah. and so and i do whole orchestrations and stuff so and i've been doing that since i was 10 something you gotta like kick me some there was the equipment to do that you gotta kick me down bird. some uh some music out here uh, by the way we could play during the show well we have uh amanda and i released a thing called dawn of the free oh that we okay. can happily throw in here yeah i mean i could use it as our outro our intro to this this program here sure that's on youtube and i can i can throw it to you okay. to put in there nice yeah i would like that i'd like other people to listen and hear your other work i'm sure that's always you know, one of the your many aspects of your creative side, and you see that's the that's the problem we have in America. By the way, we have all these crazy people out there doing all kinds of crazy shit, and a lot of those people don't have like a creative outlet or anything. They got nothing. Some people out there, and that's that leads to a troubled life and maybe possibly six feet underground for most yeah. of them out there because they got nothing, uh, my friend, and you know that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sad. Oh, it is. But I'm glad we're both uh, creative minds. I also play music. I've played in bands. I've done this. I've done that. But I, I, I totally understand that. I understand you. You're a bit of a renaissance man yourself, doing all kinds of things out there. And I wanted to ask you about uh, your book, by the way. I found that quite interesting. The which one? <laughs> yeah, I know you're saying which one. Yeah, the uh, How to Be a Successful Tyrant. Oh, that yeah, that was my first one. That one's actually out of print right now. Yeah, got to get the second edition finished i saw the price um, of it on amazon i was like holy holy moly yeah. i don't even have my own book so somebody's trying to make a killing off of the fact that it's out of print i know i was um, gonna say what do you make of that someone's making about a grand off of your your work i mean if they can sell it for that okay they must have bought it for me at some point sometime so, yeah oh well free market crazy but yeah i don't have my own book but i do i do hope to finish the the second edition and get that back in print because that that was a fun one. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a good. I actually read that book. Mm -hmm. That's it's, why. Yeah, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a good. As book. you know, it's written as a manual for people who want to rule the world, but obviously it's written flippantly. Right. Um, it actually serves a similar purpose to Jones Plantation by showing how the psychos do what they do because they don't just come out and say, "Hi, I'm evil. Give me power." Right. They have to deceive and they have to manipulate and they have to get people excited. About like if you give me power, I'll do all these good things with it. So yeah, my my first book very much <laughs> dovetails. It's with a great it's a it's a great book, by the way. Thank you. I think yeah, it's I it's great. Yeah, you got to give one of those a back in print for sure, and, and make some profit yourself off of it, and definitely uh, talk about it more out there if you ever can. Because uh, again, I feel like this book deserves a bit more of a recognition, in my opinion. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's quite good. It's quite good. So where, where exactly do you stand, by the way, in terms of like, I, I even hate to I hate to say this because I don't even believe it in myself, to be honest, but politically, religiously, where do you see yourself? And I'll just quickly say, I've always been an outsider looking in, to be honest, in this world. Mm -hmm. I'm the scary word for it is anarchist, which makes people think of like Molotov cocktails. We're not too um, far off I, then, my friend. <laughs> The, the nicer word is voluntarist, um, which means that I'm not against cooperation. I'm not against organization. It just shouldn't be done by way of a violent ruling class. And that's what government always is. And so politically, I'm not anything. I'm not on that spectrum anymore. I haven't right. been for 27 years now. Um, 
But because so many people are so used to looking at government as, well, that's what that's what gives us the police that protects us, and it's what makes the roads, and it's what does this and that and the other thing, that they imagine if you say government shouldn't exist, they imagine, well, does that mean no roads and nobody's protect? No, it means the things that humanity needs can and will be provided a thousand times better through voluntary cooperation and organization and, and trade instead of one parasitical ruling class forcing their version of it on everybody else. Um, and so almost everything I, I do and talk about is is in one way or another to get people to try to question the the foundation of the belief in, in political authority, because as long as people believe in that, all they're going to do is complain about, you know, whatever the injustice is today and right. demand that some new crook be put on the throne tomorrow. Well, that has a track record of zero when it comes to, you know, leading to actual freedom. It doesn't ever work because as long as you're bickering over who has the right to rule you, you already lost. It doesn't matter who gets in the position. You already agreed that somebody has the right to rule you. And Absolutely. so that's, you know, that's a, that's a fundamental philosophical, philosophical shift. And that's why the most important thing I've ever written is the most dangerous superstition, which is about the belief in authority. Um, particularly mm. the belief in political authority and why it's it's insane and inherently immoral and destructive and um, but that's you know that's for people who want to think about these things and are already a little bit you know in the direction of of well, philosophical I mean, pondering. It, it seems like a lot of people right now are on that spectrum. Well, not a lot of people, but a small percentage of them uh, here in America, a small demographic out there, you know, they kind of want like a, almost like a civil war almost, it seems like. And then there are those people out there that want some sort of like a Waco-like situation, like back in, uh, back in 1993, if you recall that, uh, that dust storm yeah. there, that, that massacre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, you know, that's what it always comes down to. Like, oh, we're so against government we're going to, you know, we're going to shoot, we're going to, uh, we're going to kill them. We're going to do this. We're going to defend ourselves. And I always think, you know, good luck with that. Uh, you're never going to outgun <laughs> those people. They're going to kill you. And that's the thing is neither the problem nor the solution exists in like Washington, D.C. Now, there are plenty of evil conspiring psychos in D.C. doing lots of nasty sure. things. Yeah. But it all hinges on the rest of us thinking that authority is real. Like, well, they um, have an army. Why do they have an army? Yeah. Because all those people have been taught to believe that if you're in the army, you're supposed to obey orders. And if you're a law enforcer, you do what the politicians say you're supposed to do, because that's the law. That's authority. And people, even a lot of pro-freedom people, don't understand that the problem is between the ears of several billion people, if you want to include the whole planet, believing that we're actually beholden to these political crooks. Because they don't have any power unless we act like they do. Because it's like, you know, well, they have all the guns. I don't care how many guns they have. I care how many trigger fingers they have. Right. If there's nobody to man the guns because everybody goes, you're just a bunch of psychos. We're not going to do your bidding. That's the end of them. You don't need a revolution. And if people still believe in having a ruling class, a revolution literally goes around in circles. It just puts a new crook on the throne. That's the term revolution. Right. And I mean, even the American Revolution, the American Revolution was a huge net negative for freedom. Our democratically elected constitutional republic 
is a thousand times less free than the colonies were under a king. <laughs> like right. it got worse by a lot under a, a constitutional republic. So until people recognize that their own belief in political authority and in the idea that we need somebody in charge, that is the problem. That's the entire problem. The day-to-day -day symptoms are, you know, whatever the current crook on the throne happens to be doing, you know, warmongering and all, all sorts of nasty stuff that they do. But the throne is only there because the people imagine it to be legitimate. And so that's why I'm, I'm constantly aiming for the root of the whole thing instead of bickering about which clown is currently on the throne or which clown should be on the throne next. And But that's it's such a paradigm shift for most people that even when they recognize, well, the Democrats are all crooks and the Republicans are all crooks and they all seem to be crooks, we need a new candidate. It's like, no, <laughs> that's, that's not I mean, a whole new system, basically. Yeah, or a lack of government system or, yeah, and replace something. it with voluntary systems because it's not exactly working yeah no there's no president that's going to fix anything yeah they, they, and uh, most americans they, don't get that by the way they don't understand that yet yeah and that's well jones plantation movie actually touches yeah, on correct that. yeah that's another one right if you can if you show people well here's two parties and you're in charge because you get to decide which of these like politically appointed crooks is going to you know, pretend to be in, in charge here. And, and a lot of these people know, by the way, a lot, a lot of these people already recognize that both left and right, they're full of liars, criminals, backstabbers, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yet, yeah. yet they don't care. They're like, well, we got to elect somebody. Uh, if you don't believe, well, who do we believe then? If, if you don't believe this guy or that guy, that's, that's the argument yeah. I always hear. They're like, who do we believe then? And that's the thing is if they don't, if they can't imagine anything outside of the game, then I can totally, re I remember being in that position. Yeah. I mean, it was 27 years ago. Right, right. But I remember being in the position of like, the Republicans are slimy crooks, but they're not as bad as the other slimy crooks. But part of me knew this isn't going to fix anything. Right. But if that's all somebody knows, is like, we have to elect somebody who actually cares. And, and they, they're just going to go around in circles. And that's, so the, the depressing thing is that so many people are basically enabling their own subjugation and abuse. But the positive thing is so many people, especially now and after the last few years, are way more open to the ideas because they're so sick of the game. They, they, they know it's all a joke. They know both parties are just ridiculous sellouts. Some of them are still like, we need to do, but at least they're more open to the idea of what if instead of bickering over which of these crooks would be on the throne, Neither of them was, yeah. and there wasn't a throne. And it's still an uncomfortable thing for people to think about, but a lot more people are suddenly able to because things have gotten so ridiculous. Right. People are waking up uh, and seeing the political masquerade, as I like to refer to it as. And another thing I wanted to quickly ask you was in regards to COVID, um, what, did you have to undergo anything like that working on this film during any, any point in time? I know some people are more strict than others about it. Some people, some people care, some people don't. I, I'm just curious what the, uh, the, the overall scene was like for you out there working with people that may have different uh, philosophies, my friend. Yeah, that was, that was interesting because we were, um, we were gearing up to film this thing. And I think not all the way clear on this. I think the Screen Actors Guild had just said, oh, okay. okay, we're not requiring all these COVID things of everybody has to get tested every five seconds and everybody has to wear a mask because we said, well, yeah, we wouldn't do that. 
So I think they had just dropped those restrictions. And then we, you know, Andrew was choosing the cast and everything. And then they put them back in and we had to, we had to tell the cast and everybody else. Yep. Well, so much for SAG. We can't go union because if they, if one like false positive shows up and we have to shut down the set, that's Uh, it. We don't have the money to try again. mm. We don't even have the money to try once. So we had to just tell them we're not playing that game. I think there, I think there was one, maybe two people who showed up with a mask early on and, and quickly figured out nobody else cares. Nobody else believes in that. Um, And then we just did it. And it was, but the fact that that was, if we had, tried to go along with their rules it would have just crashed and burned and never happened at all and i think a number of you know a number of actors including people who, who you know don't think about political philosophy at all they've gotten to the point where it's like well i can't get any work anywhere like there's nothing for me to do because you're crashing all of hollywood so if the choices are do this thing over here or do nothing well, then i'm going to do this thing over here so it didn't I think there were a couple people that that had to like that Andrew was trying to cast and like, well, that's not going to work because they insist on something and we're not we're not playing those games. We're not going to do the fear mongering routine. Like if you don't want to be in on it, you don't have to be in on it. It's not like we're conscripting you to be in our movie, but this is what's happening on set because this is what we have and this is what we have to do. So I don't think it ended up being a, a huge problem. But there was that one point where we just had to say, yep, heck with the union, because we we're just shooting ourselves in the foot if we even try to go along with those ridiculous rules. You know, even if we just did it to sort of get along with everybody, it's like, well, now you're making us have to disobey your stupid rules. Right. Because it's not getting done if we if we play by your rules. Right. So I don't think it was a huge problem, but I think there may have been a, a few people who had to sort of not be included because they wanted to, you know, go through all the, the silly rigmarole based on the fear of things they didn't understand. I will say this. I found that quite fascinating that so many people were ready to bow down to a big brother, my friend. So many people that I thought had backbone, so many people that I thought were mentally strong and tough. They all bend, bend they all bent the knee. Yeah. There's there's a lot about that 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 like a number of people said it got so much worse. And my response to that is it didn't get so much worse. You could just see how bad it was because now people are wearing it on their face. Literally, you can see how gullible they are. You can see how obedient they are. To try to give them the benefit of the doubt, whether they (laughs) deserve it or not, it worked because most people were duped into imagining that they were being like careful and responsible and protecting themselves and their neighbors. So it wasn't just government saying, do this thing because we told you so. It was them saying, do this thing because this is for public health and yada, yada, yada. Now, that takes a pretty huge level of gullibility. And in amongst that, there were definitely the, the, the brown shirts who came out and took the opportunity to nag and yeah, you're not wearing a mask. And it's like, <laughs> shut up. You were just waiting to be on a power trip. Right. So there are different categories. And so a lot of people just went along with it because uh, I don't want people whining at me. So I'll wear a stupid mask and stuff. Um, I just find that so fascinating, though. You can actually see the difference because the moment, like, the mandates fell, uh, a bunch of the masks disappear. It's like, okay, those were the people who, they weren't scared. They didn't believe in it. They just, they didn't want people whining at them, being a pain in the neck. Right, and and that that goes back to our, you know, some of our, our conversation a few minutes ago. You know, so many people were willing to do what, what the government wanted them to do because they saw it on tv their friends were in their ear 
So I'm thinking, yeah. look how dangerous that is. Imagine if we yeah. had this really radical message about, you know, go and kill so-and-so. And a lot of people were saying this on TV. The crowd was getting all pumped up. That might influence people to go out there and actually kill someone. Yeah. As crazy as that may sound, actually, that there's people out there, there's a majority of people out there, a demographic, my friend, that would 100% go out there and start killing X, Y, and Z. That shit is crazy. Yeah, there, there are definitely some of them. I do think that a lot of people viewed like the masks and the standing six feet apart and a whole bunch of other pointless crap as, well, it's a fairly minor inconvenience. Like, that they don't draw their line at that. It's like, okay, I'll do these these things whether I believe in them or not. But not all of them would have literally murdered their neighbors <laughs> told to. Some of them probably would have. You, yeah, and, I'm telling you, humans are a fascinating creature, my friend. Yeah. And actually, one one of the weirdest, <laughs> the most unique things about Jones Plantation is a lot of movies are sort of supposed to be feel-good. At the end, everybody goes, rah, 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 yay, oh, yeah, you right. guys won. Um, yeah. Without doing a spoiler of the plot, I want a bunch of people to watch the movie and afterwards think, I'm not sure I would have been on the right side. Because the fact is, most people aren't on the right side most of the time. They fall for the tricks of the Mr. Smiths of the world. They fall for the manipulations. They become tools of the worst people in the world without even knowing it. Meanwhile, they think they're the, the responsible moral ones, because I do as I'm told, and I follow the rules. I hope that a bunch of people are kind of traumatized by the movie by being not sure they would have been on the right side, because they wouldn't. <laughs> a whole lot of them would not have been on the right side in that situation, just like they're not on the right side now. It's not because they're trying to be evil. It's because they don't understand how the tricks work. And that's the point of Jones Plantation, to show them how the tricks work, so hopefully they'll be less likely to fall for it next time. Very nice, and we have come full circle, my friend, just as I expected and just uh, planned out perfectly for this conversation. I think we covered uh, plenty of ground here about the film, about your book. We pretty much did what I wanted to do here, but there's a few more other things I wanted to ask you before I let you go, my friend. I've been enjoying our conversation. Sure. I hope you have, too. Um, I've been yep. enjoying uh, talking to you here. I've been wanting to talk to you for quite some time, so I'm glad you know, we finally were able to make this happen. There's been schedule changes here and there, but that's life, my friend. And I'm just wondering, yeah. I, I know your time uh, to, to make all these sort of talks, and I know you've been going all over the place, and I'm sure some of them are a little bit tedious to get through, I'm sure, by now. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm speaking down at Anarchapulco next week. After that, I'm probably not going to be doing in-person events um, for a while or if ever, because they often, either they're preaching to the choir and the choir isn't, aren't the ones who <laughs> need to hear it, or they're just enough of a detraction from a whole bunch of projects that I, I think are way more important to, to reach out to the rest of the world. Um, so, and it isn't that they're not fun. Um, to, to be around like-minded people. But at some point I have to just decide, well, where do I think my, my time and effort is going to be the most productive and useful to actually hopefully making a difference in the universe. Yeah. That's why I'm glad you're here because we have a very broad and diverse sort of audience. Not everyone thinks alike here on this program, even though I talk about really wild things here, all kinds of taboo things, but you'd be surprised. We even have like a judge in Mexico who New Mexico who listens to the program and he's a very 
well-known judge, by the way. So, you know, we have all kinds of walks of life here. You, you'd be surprised. So I'm, I'm glad you're here. You know, your message will spread through all kinds of different communities out there. And um, one more question for you, my friend. Do you believe in a heaven or hell, by the way? What I believe in is far enough from, away from what most people believe in when it comes to like God and, and whether we exist after death that I, I don't usually have a simple yes or no. I will say this. I do not think that we're just mechanical machines. Um, I don't even think that our, our life is restricted to, you know, this, this host animal <laughs> walking around. Right. Now, I don't recall having been there, so I don't at all have like a specific description of what I think happens. And I think most people's description of heaven is kind of probably nowhere near the reality of it. But I do very much believe that we're more than machines. We're more than animals. Um, to me, the whole thing of voluntarism is 100% a moral thing. Because if I was just a nihilist and it's just, well, whatever works for me, I'd be running around murdering people and stealing their stuff. We're not supposed to be that. I do believe in the a phrase I use is universal intention. It's kind of vague and weird. I do believe that people are supposed to be moral and that we're supposed to be peacefully coexisting um, and things like that. And it's it's a topic I actually rarely talk about in public because I don't care if other people <laughs> agree with me on that. Like the first step to me is like, can you please stop advocating a ruling class that robs me and bosses me around? Later, we can talk about the other <laughs> stuff. But the first step is stop advocating my violent subjugation. So it's not something I usually talk about, but I do think it's sort of it's essential to what humanity should be once it's released from the insanity of authority. Because to me, ending the belief in authority, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line. That's when humanity can start being what it's actually supposed to be instead of a contest to see who can enslave who. Right. Um, but yeah, that's a discussion I don't even usually do in public. Which is why I asked you. I'm sure I've never heard anyone ask you that before. So I thought that'd be kind of a fun thing to get into with you. And I myself, I'm not religious. Um, I, I can't really claim to be religious at all. And I don't even know if hell or heaven exists, to be honest with you. Maybe when we go, we find out it's like a, a, a computer simulation of sorts. Who knows? Maybe there is a heaven and maybe there is a hell. I'm just hoping there might be like some kind of cool psychedelic trip and we see friends and family, that sort of deal. That's what I hope for. Yeah. And I, I, I think, and there's actually, there's a lot of people who've had like near death experiences, including like a, a, what was he, a neurosurgeon or something who was like, sure, now nah, that's just chemical reactions. And then he had one. He was like, that was not chemical. Reactions. Right. Um, yeah. You never know. <laughs> but I very much think that it, inside our, what I refer to as our host animals, right? I can't nearly comprehend whatever level of existence there would be when I'm not inside this thing. I can only guess and theorize about vagueness, but a number of things that I've I've heard people say um, about near-death experiences is they have it and they come back and they go, oh, that's the real one. This is just the thing we go through before we get to the real reality. Correct. Like they don't describe it as a dream. They describe it as, as that's way more real yeah, than this is. A very real experience. So, yeah. And I haven't, either I haven't been there or I'm not allowed to remember having been there. Not sure which one it is. Um, 
but I don't, yeah, I don't nearly pretend to know what it is, but I don't think we're just machines that are gone when we die. I agree, my friend. Well, one other final thing, go ahead and plug away anything you'd like. And I do want to thank you for being a part of the program and having this chat with me. I do respect your time, my friend. But yeah, plug away anything you'd like. I know you have that talk coming up in Mexico. That sounds pretty cool. I like it out there. Very nice. Um, a lot of great people out there you find. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to be around like-minded people. So yeah, on Monday um, in Acapulco, I will be at Anarcapulco. And that's anarcapulco.com. Um, for those who can't make it there on such short notice, you can get a virtual ticket and watch all the same uh, talks and you don't even have to watch it while it's happening you can watch it later and watch it whenever you want and watch it three times if you want to so that's just anarchapolco.com um the movie jones plantation our website that has uh shirts and a bunch of merch and stuff but also you can watch the movie there is jonesplantationfilm.com um and then the novel which just came out is thejonesplantation.com and the astute observer will notice that the novel has a the in it and the movie doesn't. Correct. I don't know why. That's yes, and, and go check out Larkin Rose's other work, his books. Go look it up on Amazon. Maybe even try to buy the that original book and <laughs> send it to uh, Larkin here. <laughs> if, you, if you're that generous. But regardless, thank you everyone for listening to this. And of course, Larkin Rose, thank you so much for being a part of the program, my friend. And I will talk to you on the other side. 